morning. How are we doing this morning? We doing good? Doing good. Good. All right, just before we get started this morning, I just want to make a couple important announcements. First of all, uh, we are live on our new website, uh, lighthousediscipleship.org. Again, that's lighthousediscipleship.org. That is live. Uh, we have turned off the old one. Uh, we're still working on some pickups because the old website address is still supposed to then be forwarded to the new one that's not working. We're going to try to get that fixed tomorrow as well as a couple other things. So anyway, we're still uh, ironing out a few hiccups, uh, but anyway, our new live new website is up and running, lighthousediscipleship.org. We will be eventually live streaming directly to the website. Uh, we just need uh, a, few, a few more equipment that's about a little less than $3,000. We're heading that direction. Uh, we're just kind of phase two of our media upgrade. And by the way, we have the website up and running. We have the funds for the camera and tripod to even make the viewing even better. Um, but and we just need a, a new computer and a couple other components to finalize getting everything hooked up. And then we will be not only a live stream directly to the website. But we will also be going on other social medias, including Apple TV, Roku TV, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and many other medias. Uh, and that is just the tip, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we're just doing some other things. We also have a new promo video out. Uh, feel free to share that. Uh, the whole concept is to get uh, out that we're here, not so much to advertise us, but we want to preach the gospel throughout the world. And so it's not we're advertising us so that we can preach the gospel. Hopefully that makes sense. But again, uh, the new website is up and running. Be patient with us as we get some things dialed in. But uh, uh, you can, you can uh, we'll eventually be able to look at, uh, go directly to the website for live streaming. Otherwise, you still have to find us on Facebook at the meantime. Uh, all of our messages that we have recorded, uh, they are archived on our new website. Uh, we have some blogs now. We have some articles from other teachers that we recommend. Uh, feel free to just take the website for a test drive. If you get some feedback, we'd love to hear some feedback. We also, if, if uh, some danger don't, don't look right to you, are not working right, just let us know. Uh, you can give online and different things. And so, uh, we're hoping this will maybe be a better fit for many different reasons, uh, not only now, but also as uh, some of our vision as we go forward. So anyway, enough advertisement about our new website. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our message this morning on wisdom is the principal thing. Now let me just make this other announcement too. We've always had the, D the DBA for Lighthouse Discipleship Center. That is the name of our church. It's been the name of our church since the beginning. Uh, we're uh, approaching our fifth year now. Uh, but uh, we, you're going to see that we're going to be advertising and promoting ourselves at Lighthouse Discipleship Center going on here on out. We are still Dave Everett Ministries. That is still the legal, legal name of this, uh, this church and this ministry. Uh, but we are also Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and that is our name, and that's where uh, we're going to be promoting ourselves here on out. Uh, David Ministry hasn't gone away, hasn't changed. 
it just that we're just using an, an, another DVA name that we've had, and if you can uh, use both names, you can write checks out to both names. Uh, we can do either way, and we are both. But anyway, I just uh, so there's not any confusion with that. It's just a new face, uh, a new storefront that we're putting on this ministry. Okay, enough advertisements. Okay, here we go. So we here we are. We're talking about the wisdom of God. And with the, the, the wisdom being the principal thing. And so I want to jump right into our text this morning. And uh, we're going uh, to start looking at the seven pillars. But let's go ahead and go to our text this morning to start off. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1. And we've been here the last couple of weeks. And it says, Wisdom has built her house. And she has hewn, or she has built out her seven pillars. Wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn out her seven pillars. This is where we're introduced to these uh, uh, seven pillars of the house of wisdom. But uh, the seven pillars are actually listed in Proverbs chapter 1, and that's where we're going to go now. Proverbs chapter 1, verse, starting with verse 2, it says, To know wisdom and instruction. We're going to come back to that, especially that word uh, instruction, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding to receive the instruction there's that word again instruction of wisdom justice judgment and equity to give prudence to the simple to the young and man knowledge and discretion a wise man will hear and increase learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma and the words of the wise and their riddles. I'm not going to rehash most of this, that's in this context again this morning. We're going to be mainly focused on verses 2 to 4, uh, but actually I'm not even going to so much be reading from the text, but I'm going to be talking about two of the pillars this morning, which uh, let me first highlight the seven uh, again for you, and then we're going to be looking at two of the pillars this morning. But, uh, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. That's one pillar. We're going to be looking at that one today. To receive the instruction of wisdom. Justice is the second one. Judgment, number three. <clears throat> Equity, number four. To give prudence. Uh, and it actually, uh, some translations use the word subtlety. The King James, I believe, uses that uh, word. That's number five. Uh, to the simple, to young man, knowledge, number six, we're going to be looking at that one today, and discretion, number seven. Uh, the reason I'm going to be teaching these out of order is because it just makes practical sense. Now you're going to see today that knowledge and understanding go together. <clears throat> There's seven pillars, and they work in perfect harmony. You don't want to build a house with just one pillar, or just two pillars. You want to build a house with all seven pillars. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be lopsided or it's going to collapse. And so, one pillar is not more important than the other. They're all important. That makes sense? Um, but at the same point in time, I want to take due diligence and highlight each one. Uh, hopefully that's making sense. We're going to be looking at knowledge and, and understanding today. We'll start with knowledge in just a second. Okay? But let me just uh, make a couple uh, uh, comments just as we get going into this direction of looking at these two pillars today. First of all, let me just say this. If we are going to be a people who operate in the wisdom of God, we have to understand this house. 
we have to understand these pillars. If we're going to build our families, our churches, our careers, our lives, we need to build them based on the wisdom of God. And we need to build them based on these seven pillars. We've been looking at it uh, real quick. I just want to uh, toggle to it. But Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 has been our main text in this whole series. But it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. You need to pursue wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We're going to be looking at understanding today. Uh, and so we need to get it. We need to per pursue it. We need to get wisdom and we need to get understanding. But if wisdom is the principal thing, and it is, then we need to understand the pillars and how they work and how they operate in our lives. And how they're supposed to operate in our lives. I made this point last week. But anytime we are operating in the spirit of God. These seven pillars are in operation. In other words, let me say it this way. Anytime I know I have been successful in any area of my life. Whether that be marriage. Whether that be finances. I walk with the Lord. Uh, different areas, my relationships. Anytime I've been successful. I, I have been operating in these seven pillars. I can also look at it from another angle. Anytime I've done stupid things, dumb things, foolish things, I have not been operating in these seven pillars. And we all have been on both sides of that coin. Okay? Uh, these pillars are powerful. They're important. And we need to pursue them. We need to go get them in the name of Jesus. Okay? But they also work in perfect harmony and perfect balance. I'm going to be highlighting two of them, but I'm not highlighting one more important than the other. They need to work in perfect balance and in perfect harmony. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.30, you don't need to turn there, but it says that God has made Jesus wisdom unto us. I shared that over the last several weeks. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the power of God. And Jesus is in us. So this Jesus is in us. The, the God of all wisdom is in us. So, and we are the house of God. And we are brought by the Holy Spirit, bought by God, bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of God, as has been highlighted in Paul's letter in Corinthians, as well as the book of Hebrews. We are the house of God. And Jesus is in us. So these seven pillars are already in us. But we need to discover them. We need a revelation knowledge of them so that we can operate in them. But let me just say this. None of us have arrived. None of us are operating in the full measure of these seven pillars all the time. We are all growing in our relationship with God. We are all maturing in our relationship with God. But at the same point in time, even though we haven't Arrived, we have left and we are maturing and we are going from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from faith to faith, by the grace of God, by the power of God, and by the wisdom of God. <clears throat> These seven pillars are vital to your success, again, in your life, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your finances, in every area of your life. We need to teach these principles, these pillars, to our children. And to those who are, are new in the Lord. We need to know them ourselves. And we need to teach them to others. One quick, uh, two more verses real quick. As I uh, 
just jump into this, but Isaiah 33, we looked at this several weeks ago. Isaiah 33, verse 6. Well, we just, uh, introduction is making sense as I'm going into this. But wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. And the fear of the Lord is his treasure. We've talked about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is knowledge. It is the foundation of this house. But wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. I don't think it takes, I think we all know that we are in the last days. And we also know just by looking at the news and looking at the world today, the times are getting troublesome. The times are getting dark. And we need the wisdom of God to operate and to be stable in these last days. We need wisdom and knowledge to be stable in our walk with God. We need wisdom and knowledge to be stable in our marriages. We need wisdom and knowledge to be stable in our finances, in our relationships, in every area of our lives. We need the wisdom of God to strengthen our salvation. We're not talking about operating these seven pillars to become saved. No, we're talking about these seven pillars because we are saved. As we have received Christ, who is wisdom, we will continue to walk in wisdom. We will continue to be rooted and grounded and established in wisdom. Not that we have arrived, not that we're the source, but we're going to see this one a little more when we get into the, 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 the pillar of understanding, but we need to apply the Word of God. We need to apply the grace of God in our lives. Wisdom will make you strong in your salvation that God has provided, already provided for you. One more passage of scripture, and then I'll jump into knowledge, talking about knowledge. But uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And verse 5. It says, if uh, anyone lacks knowledge, wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him who asks in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. I want to read again verse 7. It says, well, not, not, not let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now verse 8, actually if you read it in the, in, uh, the, the New, Living, uh, New Living Translation, I think I said that right. <laughs> um, I don't use that one a lot, but I've been using it a lot in this series and referring, referring to it. And again, let me just make this point. I've been listening a lot to Dwayne Sheriff on, regarding this subject. Uh, regarding even this series. And a lot of, in a lot of ways I'm using his notes and as far as his, his main notes here. And uh, why am I doing that? You know, I can just put on the video and let him teach it. And in many ways I'd rather just do that. But I want to learn it. I want to learn it so I can teach it. I want to learn it so I'm fluent in it. I'm not trying to steal someone's teaching. Uh, I could, I could use, use Andrew's uh, saying, if you use it more than once, then it's yours. But I'm not, it's not about that. 
It's not about whether it's his message or my message. It's about it's the word of God. And I don't want to teach the word of God, but I want to teach it so I can learn it. Because I learn by teaching. And so, and, 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 and Dwayne Sheriff will toggle back between the King James and the New Living Translation and, and his teachings, and, including the Amplified and other translations as well. But he talks about verse 8 how there's, you know, and with wisdom, there is a loyalty. Loyalty is divided many times between God and the world. Now, I don't know about you. We might not necessarily set out to be loyal to the world, those of us who are in Christ. But we are constantly faced with the challenge of being loyal to God, the wisdom of God, and being loyal to the world, or the wisdom of the world, or the wisdom of man. It's subtle how that is. There's this war between these two wisdoms. And those who are, verse 8 says, he who is double-minded will be unstable in all his ways. You cannot be loyal to God and men. You cannot be loyal to God and the world. You must be loyal to God. You must be loyal to his word. We must have a knowledge of what he says. We must have an understanding of what he says so that we can be loyal to it. And if you're going to be loyal to one, you're going to be disloyal to the other. And you can't play in both camps, otherwise you will become unstable. In verse 7, let me just go back one verse, it says, uh, let not the, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. The key, the operative word here is the word receive. Notice that he didn't say that God wouldn't give wisdom. He said he wouldn't receive it. If we are double-minded, if we are disloyal, if we are double-minded, we will not receive the wisdom that he has said in verse 5, he will give generously. If we need wisdom, ask and he will give it to you generously. But if we are loyal to both the world and the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man, we will be disloyal, we will be, double, we will be uh, unstable in all of our ways. And it's not that God doesn't give wisdom, we didn't receive it. Why? Because we're not being loyal to it. We're being loyal to another, another source of wisdom. Does that make sense? Okay, all that introduction passed. Let's get into the verse uh, pillar here, knowledge. Let me just say this by definition that the word knowledge, and there are other definitions that are probably will come out. It says, it means to see or perceive to know. To see, to perceive, or know. In other words, it's to be informed of the truth. You know, Jesus had a conversation with Pontius Pilate about truth. And Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? And we're going to look at that in a moment. Real quickly, though, I want to toggle back to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Remember, I said, to know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom. Throughout the series, and early on in the series, we... We talked a little bit about instruction, and let me just say this regarding instruction and knowledge. We need to understand the value and importance of instruction. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. I don't care if you're a ministry, a pastor. I don't care how old you are. We can never get so old that, that we, do, we are never being instructed of the Lord. We need to receive the instruction of the Lord. 
the moment that you stop receiving instruction and knowledge from the Lord is the moment you stop growing. Is the moment you stop start going in the opposite direction. We need knowledge. We need instruction. All scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training our instruction in righteousness. We need instruction. We need instruction from the Lord. He's our master. He's our shepherd. He's our father. Jesus did nothing without getting instruction from his father. We need to have a relationship with God. We need to know God. And when I'm talking about knowing God, and when I'm talking about knowledge, I'm talking about a knowledge of God. I'm talking about a knowledge by God. I'm talking about a knowledge for God. You know, there's a lot of people who know God, or claim they know God, but a lot of those people, if you listen to them, they know about God, but they don't have a relationship with God. That makes sense? I'm not talking about having a knowledge of God. I'm talking about to know God and knowing Him and having a relationship with God. Uh, excuse me, one moment, but I, uh, yeah, I think this uh, author Minches, as I pulled up on my library here, but and he wrote, wrote a book on knowing and experiencing God. Good, great book. But he also has a slogan here, and it says, God will never be real to you until you have a healthy visual concept of Him as he really is. Let me read that again. God will never be real to you until you have a healthy visual concept of him as he really is. We need to know God. We need to know him so we can experience him. And God will never be real to you until you have a revelation. Until you have a, a, a healthy and visual concept of him as he really is. I don't want to just, you know, the wrong thing about knowing God is if we have the wrong knowledge of God. I get a little ahead of myself in my notes here, but uh, we need to know God, but we need to know the right knowledge of God. And we're only going to get that if we have a personal relationship with Him. Let me just go back. I got a little ahead of myself, but let me just, for my notes I say, for the rest of our lives, we will receive instruction from the Lord. Regardless of where we are today, God has another place for you tomorrow. That makes sense. We're growing. We're growing. Uh, no matter how, let me say it this way, no matter how far you've come in your walk with God, you still have a long way to come in your relationship with God. No matter how far you've come, you still got that much farther to go. So we have to be constantly, we have to be open constantly to God's instruction to know Him. Sorry, I'm just reading my notes here. I, I don't want to miss something here. Um, let's go to John 17. And I'm, where I'm going with this now is my definition I gave you is about knowledge is to see God, to perceive God, to know God, and to be informed of truth. What is truth? Where Jesus prayed in John 17, just before he goes to the cross, and also he's already been with the disciples, the Last Supper, and he's praying very intimately with the Lord in the garden, and he prays, he says, Lord, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God wants to sanctify us by knowing the truth. Another verse I want to uh, uh, 
Uh, you can just quote it, but in John 8.31, actually, I want to go there. John 8.31, because there's a, we usually just quote part of it, but I want to quote the whole thing. John 8.31.32. It says, And Jesus said to those Jews who believe in him, and this is the part that we leave out, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, we need to abide in what we need to receive instruction. We need to, how are you going to have knowledge if you're not abiding in his word? If you're not abiding in him, if you're not constantly receiving instruction, how are you going to know him? But if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. If, in other words, what's a disciple? A disciple is a student, a learner, an apprentice. If we abide in him, we are his disciples. And so then you shall, what? Know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will, will set you free. We quote this all the time, and I've, I've, I've taught this many times. It's not the truth that sets you free. It's knowing the truth that sets you free. The truth has no power to set you free if you don't know it. We need to know the truth. And the truth that we know will set us free. That makes sense? That is a pillar in the house of wisdom. I've also taught this many times. Go with me real quick to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Hopefully I'm not going too fast for you. But Ephesians chapter 4, we'll pick it up in verse 20. I've taught this in many other teachings. But it says, but you have not so learned Christ... That phrase, so learn Christ, means to be permeated, saturated. You have not been so saturated and so learned Christ, if indeed you have taught him, and as you have been taught him by the... Let me, I'm chopping that up, verse 21. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, and I've always taught this because I noticed that verse, at the, if you notice at the end of verse 21 that there's a colon. This truth that is in Christ is that we put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which goes corrupt <coughs> according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that if you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Excuse me. But until so this truth that is in Christ, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. <coughs> Excuse me. This truth that's in Christ is that we put off the old man. In the spirit of our mind, we put off the old man, and we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Excuse me. When we know that truth, when we have a relationship with that truth, that truth will set me free. That truth has set me free in many areas of my life. That truth has set me free from many, going down many roads and many thoughts in my life. I don't know about you, but that, that truth is very powerful. Knowledge is a, is a, is a pillar in the house of wisdom. But uh, we need to continue in his word. We need to know his word. Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified by his word. Make your sense this morning? You need to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
You don't necessarily need to turn there, but Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people have been destroyed by the lack of what? Knowledge. My people have been destroyed by the lack of knowledge. The lack of knowledge will destroy you. That makes sense? I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. The lack of knowledge will destroy you. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your home. It will destroy your finances. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy the, it's not the lack of knowledge will destroy the people of God. Okay? But, you know, there's one thing that's worse than the lack of knowledge. And that is having the wrong knowledge. The wrong knowledge. We need to repent from the wrong knowledge that we have. The word repent means to change your mind. That's what Ephesians 4 is talking about. That you put off the old man and you put on the new man in the spirit of your mind. That's what repentance does. That's what repentance looks like. So I don't know about you, but I grew up thinking God is always against me. I'm not saying I necessarily was taught that, but that's how I perceived, and that's how the message that I received, I always thought God was against me. I had to come to a point where I repented, changed my mind that God is for me, and He's not against me. We need to have a good revelation of God. That makes sense? That makes sense? It is what Jesus said in His Word that will change your life. It is what Jesus said. It's what Jesus did. We need to have a knowledge of the Gospel. We need to have a knowledge of truth so the truth can set us free. Go with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Pick up verse 9. And he, Jesus, said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. And in verse 13, skip down and down for the sake of time. Making the word of God of no effect through the tradition which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Excuse me, I just want to make sure I'm not leaving something out. In other words, Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verses 9 to 13, actually it starts even further up, but Mark, Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 that the, the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. If you know, this goes back to what I was talking about in James. If you know God and you know his word, but you are at the same point in time, you are embracing the traditions of men, the wisdom of men. The wisdom of men will make the word of God of no effect. If you know God, but you are still embracing the traditions of men, that conflict, that counteract God's wisdom, the word of God, it will make the word of God of no effect in your life. That makes sense? So we need to know God, but we also need to embrace God versus the wisdom of man. And hopefully that's making sense to you. <clears throat> there are many times when we read the gospel letters and, and Jesus said, you, you have heard it to be said, but I say to you, 
You've heard it to be said. But I say to you. There's some things that we have heard to be said. But we need to hear what Jesus says about the matter. And we need to repent, change our mind, be loyal to what God said, what Jesus said, and begin to be disloyal to what man has said, what the traditions of man. Because the traditions of man will make the word of God of no effect. Knowledge is a pillar in the house of wisdom. And if we try to build our house on the traditions of man instead of the word of God, we will build our own house, and we will not build the house of God. That making sense? I don't want to build my life, I don't want to build my house on the traditions of man, because the traditions of man will make the word of God of no effect. If the traditions of man, in this sense, are in alignment with the word of God, I'm cool with that. But I want the, the, the word of God to make the word of God effective in my life. Amen? Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And we'll read verse 2. 2 Peter 1 verse 2. And it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, some of us are just satisfied with having grace and peace. But the Word of God says that grace and peace can be multiplied to us when we have a knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm stepping in front of the screen here. But uh, we, when, we have a, when we have a knowledge of God, grace and peace can be multiplied in our lives. We need a revelation of God. We need to know God so His grace and His peace can be activated and multiplied in our lives. This goes back to what everything I've just been saying. It says in James that if we need wisdom, God will give it to us generously. But we can't be disloyal to God by being loyal to the traditions of men. The traditions of men will make the word of God of no effect, Jesus said in Mark chapter 7. But we need, we need the knowledge of God. And, and we cannot try, again, going back to James chapter 1, we can't have our build, we're talking about the pillars that build this house. And we can't build this house on the traditions of men. we got to build it on the Word of God. And as we build this house with the knowledge of God, grace and peace will be multiplied. This house will grow. Tying this back into Isaiah chapter 33 that we talked about a minute ago too. It will become stable. I want this house to be stable. And it's not just about knowledge. This is just one of the seven pillars. You don't just build a house with one pillar. You build it with all seven. And so it's not just about knowledge, but I'm highlighting knowledge right now. But I want grace and peace to be multiplied to us in the knowledge of him. And he goes on to say in verse 3, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him. I, everything we need for life and godliness is in the knowledge of God. And like I said earlier, I'm not talking about a knowledge about God. I'm talking about a knowledge of God. I'm talking about having a relationship with God. Not just hearing about it through someone else. I want to hear it for myself. I want to have a knowledge of I want to be intimate knowing Him myself. 
In the same way, because it's the same words and verbiage that's used when Mary said, how can this be? Because I've never known a man that's talking about intimacy. And we need to know God. We need to know him for ourselves, and we need to know him intimately. See, I don't know about you, but sometimes in pastoring, but also just in talking with people, sometimes when I talk about something, or sometimes when I preach on something, sometimes when people will make a, a, a comment, something like this, I've heard that before. I already know that. I've heard that before. The fact that they said that tells me they don't know it. And it's not so much the words that they said, but it's the tone. It's the attitude. It's the mindset behind that. Because when you know God, it makes you hungry for more. When you know God, it will make you hungry for more. I don't know about you, the more I get into God's word, the more I know God, the more I want to know about him. The more I want to hear him. The more I've heard something. The more I've heard about God's love. The more I want to hear about God's love. The more I hear about the gospel. The more I want to hear about the gospel. It, I, it, 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 it never gets old. It never gets, well, I know that. Let's get to the rest. No, the, 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 the knowledge of God will make you hungry and thirsting for righteousness. As it says in Psalm 34 verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever tasted something and you said, you know, I've already had that. I don't want it anymore. Now, I understand some are watching their diets and something really good might be really bad. <laughs> I don't share that philosophy myself, but and it probably shows. But at the same point in time, uh, you know, most people, in, in, in all honesty, once they tasted something good, it's not like they never want that again. If you taste it and you like it, you want more. Now you understand there might be some restraints and some temperance and, and, you're, and, and controlling yourself so you don't uh, uh, overindulge. I understand that, but I'm not. But still, the fact is, you still want more. You would like more. I mean, your body's telling you. We have five senses, and the, the, the sense of taste is telling you, "I would like more of that." I would. I I enjoy that sense. It's the same as when you hear something good, when you see something good, you want to enjoy more of it. Same thing with taste. When you, but I, I know about something when I don't taste something good. Some, I mean, Brussels sprouts, to give me an example. I don't want more. I don't care how you dice it up, paint it, present it. You might be a great cook. It's not about your cooking. It's about the Brussels sprouts. I'm not interested in more. You know? And uh, people can say, well, have you ever tried it? Yes! And I'm not satisfied with that taste. I know God made it. I know it was good. I know some people love Brussels sprouts. Some people were overindulged Brussels sprouts. They can have my Brussels sprouts. Uh, you know? And um, Anyway, I, 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 I need to get off that subject. But, uh, but you might understand my point. When you know God, when you have a relationship with God, you're never going to have an attitude, I already know. Because none of us know everything we need to know about God. He's so rich. He's so deep. That when you have a relationship, you want to know more. It's the same thing with any relationship. I don't care how many times I've heard some stories. I want to hear them again. Especially the funny ones. I like those, some of those. And, and the good ones. I don't want to so much hear all the bad stories and all the, all, all the turmoil some of us have gone through. I want to hear the good stuff. 
I want to hear that over and over and over again. And anytime you are in a relationship with somebody, it, it never gets old. It never, I've heard that before. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We need to hear and hear and hear and hear. And we need to continue to hear the word of God. See, there's something about God. He never reveals himself and it's an end in and of itself. It's always a means to an end. But it's never an end of and of itself. It's never satisfying in the sense that it never makes you hungry for more. It may it actually, it's like a potato chip. It's like salt that makes people thirsty for the gospel. It's not over salty where it's distasteful, but it's salty enough where it makes you want more. And it makes you thirsty. And I'm thinking of the Beatitudes this morning for blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. It's satisfying in that. It's satisfying like, you ever eat, you ever, uh, you ever eat something and you're like, you know what, that hit the spot. And it's filled the craving. It didn't mean that you didn't want more. Maybe you were full for the moment. And I get that where we need, we need to have times where we digest the word of God. We need to digest what we know of God. We can't have it, we can't just overindulge and, and, and I can understand we can get so filled up that we need some time to process it and digest it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what well, we just don't want to hear anymore. We don't want to hear anymore. We already know that. And there's an attitude about that. Hopefully that's making sense. See, we don't need a mediator. I understand there's people who are going to teach us the knowledge of God and teach us about the things of God. But we can't have, we can't replace people have a relationship with God ourselves. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't need someone to tell me everything about sharing. I need to have a relationship with my wife and know her, know her for myself. And there's some people who can, can come to me Sherry says this and Sherry says that and I go, Sherry said nothing like that. <laughs> and they think she said the opposite of everything you say. And there are some people who come to me and tell me something she would say. Yep, that sounds like Sherry. <laughs> You were with Sherry today, that's, that's for sure. And I could probably even tell you the whole conversation now. Yeah, because I, 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 I've actually had conversations with Sherry, and she's not even here. Because uh, I just know what she would say. I know how she would act. Because, why? How do I know that? Because I know the person. I don't know just about her. I know her. And so they just, uh, and, uh, and that will never get old. And at the same point in time, let me just say this, none of us will ever arrive. Where we always know everything we know about God. It will take care of all eternity, and we still will not know everything about God. So, but without knowledge, my people are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. And the moment we stop learning, the moment we stop having a knowledge of God, it will begin to destroy our lives. And, and you, if, you know, one of the signs of someone dying. One of the signs that someone's on their deathbed is they never they lose their appetite. And the same thing spiritually. The moment you say, I've had enough. I understand that the moment you just need to process this, especially if I've been to a conference or something of that nature, I can be just a little overload. And I just need to be able to, to process and assimilate things I've learned. But that doesn't mean I don't want to go back. That doesn't mean I want no, no more. We're going to go on a cruise uh, one day. And I... Uh, um, I just know sometimes when you go on cruises, yeah, people can overindulge the buffet. And at some point, the buffet doesn't become attractive. 
Some people go early just so the first thing they go is to the buffet. You know, but after a while, you can only eat so much. If you're going to enjoy the rest of the cruise. If you're going to enjoy yourself, you can only eat so much. You know, but at the same point in time, it doesn't mean you don't want to go back. You know, and, and so, uh, I mean, another example, I mean, I know I'm probably, uh, I made my point, but in and out Burgers, I worked there for 10 years. People ask me, do you get tired of it? I go, no, I just love it. I'm just a burgers and fries type guy. I never get tired of burgers and fries. You know, uh, there's, never, there's never been a day where I say, you know what, I'd like something different. I'll eat something, I do like other things, so don't get me wrong. But I've never been tired of There's something I'm just not tired of. I've just, I've, done, I've, I've always been that way. Chocolate is another one. I've just never, like, you know what? I'd rather have some, uh, something else instead of chocolate. I do like other things, but I love chocolate. Okay, I don't think I'm going to make my point with that. Um, let me make this last point with knowledge. Uh, go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We know this passage of scripture, but I want to uh, make a point using this passage of scripture. It says, that, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I just even quoted that, but I wanted us to go there. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God's word is where we get a knowledge of God. We need to we already talked about how God said, I want to sanctify them by my word. We need to have a relationship with his word. We need to abide in his word. We should know, he, 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 in the same context in John, in John 8, 31 to 32, which we just read a minute ago, he says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. But in the previous verse, he says, if you continue my word, you are my disciples. The moment we stop continuing in his word is the moment we stop being a disciple. That makes sense. And faith, faith, uh, faith is where uh, faith is born in the Word of God. It's in the knowledge of God. God's Word is where we get the knowledge of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We know that. We read that. But God's Word is also His will. God's Word is His will, and His His will is faith. In other words, let me say this. You cannot believe God for anything you do not know is His will. You can't believe for God for something that you don't believe is His will. You can't trust God beyond what you know His will is for you to have. Let me give you some examples. The love of God. You will not be able to be mature and successful in life if you don't know God loves you. If we don't know that, if we don't know it's his will, if we don't know that, I'm not talking about knowing about his love, but I'm talking about knowing his love. You cannot mature in your relationship with God. Uh, and, and I'm not saying you're not saved, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but we must mature. This is with any relationship. Any relationship, a spousal, a husband-wife relationship is not going to mature. It's not going to blossom if they don't know they love each other. That make sense? Same thing with a parent-child relationship. If somewhere along the line, someone lost the fact that they trusted the person's love, that relationship cannot go further. It can't grow. It can't blossom. It can't come to maturity, to fruition. 
to the full stature. It doesn't mean they're necessarily the relationship is cut off. But that has to be healed. That has to be broken. Some people think God's mad at them. Some people think God's condemning them. Think God, some people God, think God has destroyed and ruined their lives. And that needs to be healed. So they can grow in the relationship with God. But if we don't know it's God's will, we can't grow. Or we can't trust God in that area. Another example is forgiveness. If you don't believe it's God's will to forgive you of your, all of your sins, no matter what you've done, then you can't mature in, in your relationship with God. You must know it's His will to forgive you all of your sins, past, present, and future. You must know His will. When you know, and that's what we're talking about, knowing it's His will, it will give you faith to trust in His forgiveness. And you can grow. If, if, if it's broken, and you don't think it can ever be fixed, how can it grow? But we have to know it's His will. And there's another example. Grace and faith. We cannot be who God has called us to be if we don't know His grace. And we don't know how to operate in faith. We can't do the things God's called us to do if we don't know, uh, know and understand grace and faith. We'll be limited. We can go so far. But we need to understand His grace, and we also need to understand how to operate in that grace. I'm, I'm kind of transitioning between knowing and understanding, and I'm going to go there in just a minute. Another thing is about His mercy and His goodness. It's His goodness that leads to repentance. But if we don't know His goodness, it's going to be hard for us to repent. That makes sense? Repentance means to change your mind. But we need to know His goodness. We need to know His mercy for us to... That's making sense. These are just some examples, but there's many more I can give you. But when we... I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture... Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. But faith, the Word of God is also God's will. And when it's, we know something's God's will, I'm talking about, well, again, we're talking about knowing. When we know it's His will, we can trust Him. And we can run with that. I know it's God's will to heal. And so, based on that knowledge, I can now pray for people to be healed without any hesitance. I know it's God's will to love people. I know it's God's will to forgive. I can't teach something. I can't do something. I can't grow my own relationship if I'm still struggling whether it's God's will. There's some subjects, there's some doctrines I'm not so sure about. I can't have faith in those areas. Because I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know, I don't have a revelation on that. That making sense. In some ways it's not a major point, but in some ways it is. You know, we need to know, there's some major things that we need to know. And as a pastor, as a teacher, it's my job to help people to, to know that. Be equipped in those things. So that they can grow. So they can mature. So they can come to the full stature of Christ. I, I, I could teach on that from Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the, the Bible ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that we can come all come to the unity of the faith. So we all can come to the full stature of Christ. Uh, anyway, I want to move on to understanding. Are we doing the time? Okay, we've got about 20 minutes left. Understanding. So let's go back to Proverbs 4 7 real quick. 
a lot more I can talk about knowledge. And let me just make a point. I'm going to say this about every pillar. It's just one of the seven pillars. There's seven pillars in this house. Knowledge is just one of the seven. But in Proverbs 4.7, this has been our key verse throughout this whole series. Wisdom is the principal thing that will give wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. I already established the point that knowledge is to see, to perceive, to know. Understanding is the proper application of that knowledge. See, see why I'm going in this order? Knowledge is actually further down on the list of the, in, the, in, the, in Proverbs chapter 1. But knowledge and understanding work together. Understanding also means that we need to interpret, we need to comprehend, and properly arrange the knowledge that we know. In other words, you have to know how to apply the knowledge in order to reap the benefits of that knowledge. People go to college all the time, graduate, but just because they have knowledge, they don't know how to apply that knowledge. It doesn't, it doesn't profit them. Let me say it this way. Some people think it's all about knowledge. Knowledge, 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 knowledge. And that's all they get. They, they've been going to church for 40 years, 50 years, but their lives are still a mess. Something's wrong with that. And the, the knowledge is not the problem. Some people don't know how to apply that knowledge. Um, and some people don't, are frustrated. They don't know why it's not working in their lives. Understanding that knowledge is difference. For example, sometimes when people come to us for with marriage conflicts, some pastors have, or uh, some people have taught, been taught, uh, uh, for the wives to make the wives submissive. Yes, it does say wives be submissive to your husbands, but there's also another part of the message that says, husbands, lay down your lives for your wife. But my wife did this, lay down your life for your wife. But my wife did this, lay down your, 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 your life, life for your wife. I don't know about you, but laying down your life for somebody kind of ends all arguments. My point is, some people have have a knowledge. I can use this in other, other areas, but some people have so much knowledge. I've seen this about grace. People have a knowledge of grace, but they will use it to point at those who are legalistic, and they will condemn those who are legalistic. One of my points, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so I probably opened this door too early. But it's not just knowledge. It's also not knowing how to understand how to apply that knowledge. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So let me just say it this way. Moses also had knowledge. He knew God. He knew his calling. But he also did operate understanding when he killed the Egyptian. He, uh, and sometimes we get ahead of God. Knowledge says, here's the problem, but understanding says, here's the answer. And many people attack people. I mean, see it on Facebook all the time. People attacking people with knowledge. But they don't have a proper understanding how to apply that knowledge, or how to articulate, or how to communicate that knowledge. That makes sense? If we're going to get on people and point the finger, that's not the right way to communicate the knowledge. In some relationship, there's a place and time where we'll get into some other pillars when we talk about justice and judgment. There are some areas where we need to deal with some things and discipline some things, but 
we, and that's why all seven of these pillars have to work together. But we need knowledge, but we need understanding. Let me just say this, it's not enough for me, let me give you this example, it's not enough for me to teach as a pastor the knowledge of sin and what is wrong. There's, some, there's a point and there's a place to, to tell people when they're wrong. But if I don't tell you how to get free from sin, then as a pastor, I fail. See, the, the understanding, the, the knowledge might tell you sin is wrong, but understanding is knowing how to get free from that sin. That's, that, that, that could be the difference. Just because there's a lot of people even in the world know something are, are wrong, but they don't have an understanding of how to get free. For example, you can, a, lot, a lot of times you can, if you were to give your kids a test of what is right and wrong, most of them can answer the questions right. But sometimes it's not until they mature or later on they get a better understanding when they won't worry something. That really was right. That really was wrong. And they have an understanding of why it was right. Of why it was wrong. That is understanding. They can answer the question is wrong, but until they understood why or how or that it really was right or really was wrong, that is understanding. I'm trying to I'm trying to paint a picture of the difference knowledge and understanding a little bit. Um, see, understanding is more than just agreeing something is right and wrong. Understanding is, is understanding that it is wrong and that it is right. See, our world today doesn't have a feel for it. It doesn't have a knowledge of God. And so it doesn't even understand what things are wrong and right. They're backwards. They call what is evil good and good evil. They have no knowledge and they also have no understanding. Let me uh, use one other verse to kick off something here. First uh, Chronicles chapter 12. So this is just preliminary to where I really want to get when I talk about understanding, but I'm trying to set it up. It says, As the sons of Issachar, I'm not going to go into all the history right now. Who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and their brethren were at their command. I don't want to focus on the whole part of the verse. But it's just this part here that the sons of Iskar, who had understanding of the times and to know what Israel ought to do. They had an understanding of the times and they and they, and, to, and they knew uh, sometimes to know what Israel ought to do. In other words, this is what God says, and this is what God meant. It, knowing, we don't need to just know what God says, but we also need to have an understanding of what God means. That is a pillar of wisdom. Um, see, many can diagnose a problem. But few can implement a solution. There's doctors out there. They can diagnose something's wrong. But they can't implement a solution. Some, some are real good at diagnosing where the problem is. But they don't have the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding of how to fix the problem. And there's a lot of teachings out there. They're, they're good with the knowledge aspect. But they don't help people. How does this work? 
And that's probably one of the biggest questions I get as a pastor. Pastor, I get that. But how does it work? How do I get it to operate in my life? And if I were to give them a test, they could answer all the right questions. They could give me all the right feedback. There might be some notes here and there where we have to tweak a few things. But how to apply it? And here's another definition for you. Understanding is the capacity to distinguish between true and false, good and bad, right and wrong, and what is important and what is not at all. And part of the problem, too, is going back to what I was talking about earlier, the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect. What we talked about in James, that they're double-minded, they're loyal to God, but they're also loyal to the traditions of men. They're loyal, they're loyal to, to religion and what they've been taught. And, and there's a lot of people, they have, the wrong, they have the right concept here, but they have a wrong concept here, and they put them together, and it doesn't work. And they have, they, have, they have a knowledge of the truth, but they also have a knowledge of the, of the, the traditions of men, and it's made the word of God of no effect. But I've also had people come to me, say, Pastor, I know what you're saying is right, but... And whatever's on the other side of that, but, B-U-T, is usually where the problem is. They have knowledge and even an understanding of this part of it, or they even know what to do is right, but. And usually on the other side of but, there's usually some type of tradition of men, on their own interpretation, on their own wisdom, on their own reasoning, or, or something like that effect. Let me just uh, use one more verse here. Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 111, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've taught a lot about that. A good understanding, having all those who do His commandments, His praise endures forever. You know, anytime I, especially when we talk about grace, and that word commandment comes up. The do is commandment. Some of us uh, don't know how to process that. Second Timothy says, all scripture. All means all. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So the man of God might be fully equipped for every good work. We're not doing his commandments to become righteous. But when we know we are righteous, we're still going to listen to what he has to say. We're still going to have no other God beside God. We're still not going to kill, commit adultery, murder, steal, lie, cheat. We're still going to honor God and his word and his commandments. Okay, let's change, let's change covenants. And then Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, love one another as you love yourselves. We're still going to obey the word of God. We're still going uh, to, to obey his commands in that regard. But understanding is not just having a knowledge of God. See, the fear of the Lord, and we talked about this, is the beginning of wisdom. To fear him, to be an audience, to respect him, is the beginning of it. But what if we're going to call, he's our Savior, yes, but he's also our Lord. If he's our Lord, then why don't we do what he says? Jesus taught, you've heard it to be said this, but I say do this. And it sounds like I'm talking, going back to, to religion, but we, what I'm trying to point a picture is that 
we must mix faith with his word. We have to act on what he says. Let me take the picture this way. Let's go to Matthew 13. These two scriptures are, are my main two that I want to bring out here. Matthew 13, we spent a lot of time in our last series of Matthew 13. Uh, we'll start with verse 19. This is the parable of the seller. And Jesus said, he, he, he gives his response to the parable of the seller. He says, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. He heard it, but he didn't understand it. And so the enemy snatched from his heart. This is what we see that was saved by the... This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, he, he rises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Verse 23. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some sixty some thirty. All four seeds or all four soils heard the word. But only the seed that fell on the good soil heard it and understood it. Okay? I want to keep that in mind. We talked a lot about that. Go with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, we'll start at verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears, okay, I talk about two men, two houses. Whoever hears, both of these men are hearing. These sayings of mine and does them, that's obedience, that's acting. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but whoever hears, this person hears, just like the other man, he's saying the mind and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The same rains come, the floods came, the winds came, and blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We got two houses, one built on rock, one built on the sand. Both experienced rain, both experienced a flood, both experienced a wind. One stood and one collapsed. We're talking about building the house of wisdom. The only difference was one heard it and one did it. The same thing with the parable. They all heard it, but only one understood it. We talked about the definition of understanding as being able to apply the knowledge. When you apply something, you're acting on it. You're applying it. It's called what I call faith obedience. It's faith in His grace. We're not the grace. 
but we obey. We respond to God. God says by God says by His stripes you are healed. What's my response? Lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I need to speak something. I need to do something. I need to respond to the word of God. God's forgiven me. And what did I need to do? I need to forgive myself. I also need to, to not. As he, Jesus told many, go and sin no more. That's what, did he, not, he showed grace and mercy to the woman called adultery. But did he also not say go and sin no more? Uh, another one, uh, we read this many times, but Job 28, 28. Job 28, 28. And, he, and, and to man, he, God said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. I don't think departing from evil is the only thing that's understanding. Uh, uh, is understanding. But another thing that God is supposed to do. You know, I came up on our Bible study on Sunday night a couple weeks ago when Jesus made this comment to his disciples, oh, you perverse generation. And it, I don't know about you, but the, the same comment came to me many times through the years. When Jesus called his disciples because they had unbelief, he called them a perverse generation. <clears throat> just from... Just from observing that, it can be confusing. What do you mean by the first generation? Well, if you think about it, anything that's not of God is perverse. <coughs> Sickness is perverse. Anything that's unbelief is perverse. It sounds harsh. Jesus is not condemning his disciples. He's condemning the unbelief. But anything that's not of God is perverse. Anything that's not of God is evil. <coughs> and uh, and so, anyway, there's so much I can go on here, and I don't mean to, hopefully I'm making sense. But we need, there's two pillars that I'm talking about this morning about the house of wisdom. One is knowledge, the other one is understanding. We need to know God. We need to have a relationship with God. But we also need to understand how to apply that word. And when we understand it, when we hear the word, we need to apply it. If we don't apply the word that God gives us, we're sanctified by his word. We need to abide in his word to be a disciple. But if we don't do what he says, then we're not going to see the results. We're not going to see that. That knowledge has no benefit to us if we don't apply that knowledge. Jesus spent, he did nothing without spending time with the Father. He spent time with the Father to know what the Father says. And then what did Jesus do? He did what he saw the Father do. That's obedience. That's faith obedience. Jesus obeyed his Father. Was Jesus then not saved because he didn't know? No, he, he was. He was saved. He didn't. He didn't obey his father to become saved. He didn't obey his father to become the Christ. He was the Christ, but he also was the Son of Man. And, and I hope I'm not being confusing here. But he just he he did what his father told him to do. Abraham obeyed God. Noah obeyed God. 
none of these some of these men Abraham, Noah, Moses, they weren't perfect men. Some of these men were murderers, deceivers, con artists. Uh, Abraham uh, was willing to give up his wife twice to a king because he's fearful of his life. Noah got drunk. Uh, there's, there's other things with all these men, but they also obeyed the Lord and they, they saw results. Let me just end with this. Jeremiah chapter 3. Hopefully this is making sense. Jeremiah 3, 14 and 15. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. There's a lot I can bring here and I'm not so much worried about the context for this particular passage. But when I think about shepherds, I'm thinking of pastors, teachers in my day. All of us, including myself, need pastors and teachers who will feed us knowledge and understanding. Through Karis Bible College, to Andrew Walmack Ministries, through other teachers like Dwayne Sheriff and Lawson Purdue and others, they have fed us knowledge and understanding. God has fed us knowledge and understanding. My, my heart is to feed us knowledge and understanding. I'm not the only teacher. I'm not the only pastor. But... But there's some other things in here about returning back to the Lord. And some people have, <clears throat> and although we have shepherds who will feed us knowledge and understanding, but it's also our job individually to receive that knowledge. And more importantly, to have a relationship with God ourselves so that we can receive that knowledge and understanding from Him. We're just shepherds. But we, we, we can... Shepherds lead the sheep to the crop, but the, feet, the sheep have to feed themselves. They don't hand feed them. That makes sense? Even uh, Paul said he, he, he praised the church of Thessalonica when they searched these things to see that they would be so. They had a relationship with God. Paul, other people, encouraged the people to have their own relationship with God. We have a position, we have a job to do to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But people have to apply the word. They need to search the scriptures themselves. Have a relationship with God themselves. Uh, we help. In one, in one sense, we're a mediator. But that can't be the ends of the means. We have to have a relationship with God ourselves. At the same point in time, I think it's dangerous to sit under teaching that's wrong teaching and bad teaching. It's not knowledge and understanding. Because when we search, and that can feed into our minds, and, and, and teaching that's going to be the traditions of man. You, but at the same point in time, there's not going to be any perfect pastor or teacher out there. There's some things I don't always agree with some, other, some of these other ones I, I esteem and, and marvel. And, uh, and probably vice versa. And I'm sure. Uh, but I, but uh, I'm not trying to make a major point on that part. But we need shepherds and teachers. We need people who will teach us the truth. And, uh, and if we don't have, if we don't, if we're not getting fed, when we have nothing to feed others, if we're going to minister to our families, if we're going to minister to this generation, 
And one of the things that I'm really focused on with this series too, in these last days, and we just look at the news, we look at our world, it's a mess, and it's getting dark. And we need to make sure that we are sitting under people who are teaching us knowledge and understanding in these last days. And we need to be in that word ourselves. We can't be codependent on a pastor. We, but that's the same person we need pastors. I need pastors. When I don't have a pastor, even though I'm a pastor, I struggle. I'm not dependent on them, but I, there's, a, there's a reason why God put the body together in a way so that it functions properly. And, uh, and God has brought some people in the last uh, few months into our lives where we're able to, uh, some other pastors, where we're able to encourage and sharpen one another and whatnot. And that has been vital. That has been important. They're, I'm not codependent, but at the same point in time, they're there. Vice versa. And so it's just, it's awesome. It's very important that we have knowledge and we have understanding. Because sometimes we need a pastor, teacher to help us to assimilate and to dissect. And to, to, in other words, have a steak and chew it up in bite-sized pieces so we can understand it. Sometimes Sherry will come with me with a, a question about a verse. Sometimes I don't have the answer. Sometimes I go to Andrew's commentary. Sometimes I'll ask it. Sometimes I'll, uh, you know, I'll chew on it for a while. But I am looking for an answer. Hopefully it doesn't make sense. Next week will be a little more challenging, but I'm going to be looking at the, the, the pillar judgment. Now we have another challenging one. But as a pillar in the house of wisdom. And I'm going to be bringing a lot of things from Paul's writing on the subject matter. Because we're under grace. People are like, what are you talking about judgment for? Well, we, and one thing Arthur Mitchell mentioned, we can't understand grace if we don't understand judgment. And so we're going to be looking at some things. Or, uh, and so it's going to be a little challenging. But I'm, my goal is to bring knowledge and understanding to the truth. And, uh, and, uh, and then uh, after that, we're going to talk about justice and equity. Because... Those three, judgment, justice, and equity, kind of go together. And uh, th those three are kind of understood together. So uh, judgment's kind of a bigger picture. Uh, justice and equity are a little smaller uh, as far as my notes are concerned. So uh, judgment, I feel like I have to explain some things a little more because of how uh, trivial it can be. Uh, so well, that makes sense. When we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you, we glorify your name. We give you praise and honor and give you thanks. We bless this week. We bless this time together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you.